वेलकम टू सिंटॉक The Sin Talkers around the table today discuss the lore of suicide. We'll think about suicide and its meaning and meaninglessness. Who commits suicide? Do those committing suicide always believe that they will die? What role does the emotion-charged early childhood play? Are all suicides also cultural, social, and political? Can it happen without any apparent reason? What is the final moment like? Why might it be tempting? Our practices of religious voluntary death different. What is the central problem of suicide? and what is the long term future of the different forms of self inflicted deaths suicide euthanasia and more we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today professor purushottam bilimoria he teaches philosophy and dharma studies at graduate theological union and is a research fellow at the institute for south asia studies university of california berkeley and also at university of melbourne professor manas ray he teaches cultural studies and biopolitics at center for studies in social sciences calcutta and dr madhusarin is a psychoanalyst in private practice in Delhi. She has previously taught philosophy at Delhi University. Mandu, why don't we set the ball rolling with you? Um to understand how somebody committing suicide think of suicide. What's the idealization like? How does one get to it? See, it's very difficult uh, for me to answer. give such a general answer, but I'm going to go on a completely different tangent mm-hmm. based on the poem that you had talked about, Manasa. Jibananda um, Das. Yes, Jibananda Das, because it triggered a thought of mine that I have had uh, when I have thought about suicide and when I have thought about death, and when I have also thought about the problem of evil, which problem is problem of evil. which is that there is there is uh, the, the the force of nature mm-hmm. okay and all of us are natural beings mm-hmm. and but we also have a consciousness the possibility of symbolization and freud had talked about the death instinct yeah now i think there is something coterminous with larger nature without consciousness and without sentience and with uh, uh the the death instinct and i think that they may be when people wish to die there is a wish to reunite with some very deep primeval force because death is a part of life in any case yeah so this was a philosophical thought that i had and when when i use the term the problem of evil for instance as a psychoanalyst we think about these things uh, about the nature of good about ethics about all kinds of things often when we see people behave in very gross and terrible ways say people who are criminally insane people who can gouge people's eyes out or behave without empathy and mm-hmm. it's sort of like they lose what's particularly human mm-hmm. and they lose the possibility of sentience so they're more and more like blind instinct in a way except they're using lesser capacity for symbolization So I think that there is something about it's not suicide really. What do you mean by capacity for symbolization? Well, we all uh, human beings have a long evolution maturational process psychologically. Okay. Sure. So when we when infants start out, they can't talk. Mm-hmm. Um and psychologically they're very they don't have a very separate sense of themselves. Mm-hmm. The way that the capacity for language uh grows within a child is based on very early caretaking experiences right the capacity to be psychologically different 
and to be able to engage in what we call autonomous ego functioning. All of this is a process which is helped along by early caretakers. When this goes wrong or when there are constitutional factors, right, all kinds of problems may arise. But to go back to the question of death and suicide, mm -hmm. um, so it was just the, a thought I had that there is a longing to go back to some state where you don't have to think, you don't have anxiety, where you don't have worry, where you know you you can just go back to nature uh, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, now this business, but I, are we I, are we are we born with that? That's cultural. What? It's what? not. It's like. Look, death is a part of life for sure. every culture, across cultures. The fact of our uh, finitude is something that human beings grapple with philosophically, and we've got other people here who mm. think about it. Mm. But actually, if you look, if you this is a, at a broader philosophical level that I just made this comment because this thought was triggered sure. in my head by what Manasse said. But if you look at actual suicides, if you look at people who actually actively commit suicide, um, the figures show that the bulk of people who commit suicide are adolescents, or, or younger people, or very old people. There's also the figure shows, by and large, more men commit suicide than women worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, so there are certain uh, reasons uh, for this. When people feel that they're not resilient enough, or they're not strong enough internally to be able to deal with what life, and life is difficult for everyone, okay? When it becomes the psychic inner pain becomes too much and they're not able to cope, suicide becomes a way out. So you, you try to kill a part of yourself. You try to kill the unbearable part. Exactly. But you do. It's sort of like just to get some relief uh, from suffering. However, suicide can also be because it's an act of violence and an act of rage. So it always, all our actions always have meaning. It may be an act of revenge against some fantasized internal figure. So by, by killing oneself, the body may at that point represent uh, that. And Madhu, I'm not suggesting a straightforward, but we're using words like instinct and meaning more or less at the same time, right? So is, so, is, it, is it just an instinctive thing? And of course, I'm, we are grossly generalizing here and don't, no, no, don't mean to go in that direction. Human beings are sentient beings, but they have their roots. This is what makes Freud somewhat different from some of the others, mm -hmm. uh, all the others, actually, because he talked about the, the fact that we also have an animal side to us. We, are, we have the capacity... Um, for sentience and consciousness and thought and the most sublime forms of art and whatever we have, we have all, we are multi-layered beings with all with all of this as part of our archaeology. Uh, so I would say that there is an instinctual side, but human beings are constantly uh, transcending uh, instinct and constantly overriding it. But there may be times when there's overwhelming anxiety or overwhelming trauma, where some of this gets blunted. Yeah. And you have to then depend on, you know, other factors. Yeah. Unless that, does there always need to be a reason? Well, I mean, uh, under the broad umbrella, you can say, of death instinct, my take on lure of suicide would be more from the standpoint of agency. Mm. Would be more from the standpoint of volition. Mm. What is volition? Mm. And through that, I'm going and to... And you mean that in the sense of who commits suicide? I mean it in an active, active, active purpose. Not only that, you actively desire for it. And right. there comes in the whole question of fascination or Leo. Yeah. Like say, I mean, it has been seen, I think everybody would agree, that the act of suicide very often our fascination for that act very often exceeds the person whose life came to an end. You mean the theater of it? The theater of it. Mm. Sylvia Plath's legendary suicide yeah. made sure that everything that would be written on her or her poems cannot escape that act of her. Yeah. And I was thinking about if we 
want to bring down this whole question of lure of suicide at one point, mm-hmm. whether Spinoza's passing comment that suicide is impossible because the killer and the killed can't be one. Okay? <laughs> you are not one in your suicide. Where are you on that? I'm saying that this is the crux of that fascination, the philosophical aporia, you can say. Mm. Therefore, suicide is constantly narrated, but never narratable, never contained in it, you know. And from that standpoint, I would like to come to the poem that Madhu was referring to, Jivananda Das's classic poem, poem, One Day, Eight Years Back. Mm. But first, let's get to the point of volition. What happens one day? Eight years I'll back. come to that. But you know, in order to set up the context and in order to come to this whole question again in a in a tangential way of death instinct, let's see this: that the fundamental definition of suicide that you one kills oneself, but the if it is a necessary definition, it's not a sufficient definition. Sufficient definition is that it should be volitional. Now take examples like Socrates. Socrates did take the hemlock, but he was asked by the state. So would Socrates's act be considered suicide? Would the peasants of India who commit suicide because of crop failure or indebtedness or what have you, have the, I mean, would they be called the agents, the makers of their own suicide, or is it the bad agricultural policy? Reversely, there could be cases of suicide where one didn't actually commit suicide. But put oneself in harm's way. Put oneself in harm's way. Foucault's famous going to the Californian baths when AIDS was raging, mm. whether it is suicide and whether, again, you might say, where comes the agency here? Now, one could explain agency in the sense or explain that suicide in the sense, hypothetically, that this great intellectual might be in his intellectual life feeling a kind of a blockage from where he couldn't move. Also, Hitler's killing of himself, you know, is is it a case of suicide? Or because he realized the prospects lying before him once Germany is defeated, which was imminent, that he actually killed himself, you know, to escape that prospect. I think there are two questions here, right? One is one is the act of agency or whatever when you're there at a dead end or a perceived dead end. And the other is one where you are fascinated by the theater of it. Or Exactly. Um, I wouldn't always call it a theater. Hmm. It it might to us who who witness it look like a theater. Mm. And here I was coming to Jivananda's poem Mm. because here the protagonist one night goes out and hangs himself to an unyielding branch of an Ashwatha tree, Mm. kind of uh, banyan tree, Mm. even though he had from outside gaze at least, a rather fulfilling life <laughs> with his wife, with his child. So what is it? Is it angry? Exactly, and boredom? that's what the poem well, I asks. have a couple of uh, observations and points if I can, after you're done. Yeah, the, what I'm saying, the poem actually grapples but never answers those. Like what tormented him at night? What made him opt to lie on the dissection table as the poet says, like a plague rat with blood-sodden mouth tucked to its neck, you know. Instead, instead of... So this is of, an existential suicide. Absolutely. Instead, but what Jivananda Das does here, instead of, and that brings me to the point of Madhu's death instinct, instead of explaining those, because all that you can feel is that the glue of life had dried up for this man, okay? Instead of explaining it, what he does, he sort of extends it to the world of nature where killing is the order of things. In order to live, one has to kill you know, another and kill in excess. It's a total you know, necrophilia kind of situation, you know. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you come to an altogether 
different scenario, you know, where it is outside the cause-effect psychological time, okay? Mm. It indicates to that kind of vacuity that cannot be explained through language that is outside the regime of representation. Mm. Yes, there were two things that I wanted to say to the two two major points that you uh, made. One was that it's intentional and purposeful, uh, but on the face of it, the purpose is not known. Well, I'm a psychoanalyst, so we know that 90% of most of conscious mentation is unconscious. Consciousness is the tip of the iceberg. Not everyone knows exactly what their motivations are and why they do what so they Madhu, do. So, Madhu, for you, there is no suicide without an apparent reason. There is no suicide without... Uh, in uh, without. Uh, uh, it, it's not just for fun. There are kids who, who will play with danger, but then they have the fantasy that they're immortal. So they're not actually able to recognize uh, that, that this will actually lead to death. But first, uh, that to make, just make, that what looks like uh, uh, there is no apparent purpose, my guess is that if you had greater, deeper understanding of that person's life, that they are not taking their life in a vacuum. There is some, because there is a very powerful uh, instinct for survival. And also life can be pleasurable uh, at all kinds of levels. If it is not, then there may be a whole bunch of reasons that we may need to understand in terms of that individual life. That is one point. The other point that you, when you raised uh, this business about it's the same person, who it is the killer and uh, the, the killed, uh, the, the, the same person, the Spinoza's mm. point. The thing is, and this is uh, that we believe uh, that human personality is built up through the internalization of many early internal objects. So the self is not very coherent. But the self can be, uh, and, and there are some major developmental tasks that take place in because we, we, we internalize uh, mother, father, all kinds of things through the lens and the grid of our own internal institu uh, constitutional imperatives. I mean, if you're a very passive, gentle person, you have a very excitable mother, say how the mother is attuned to that child and how the child will interpret that. So uh, uh, there is no such thing as a singular self. Sure, There are many different aspects of self. Some of these different aspects, in fact, you would probably find in the case of people who do commit suicide, that there is a fragility uh, to self and or else there is some really unbearable uh, nature to uh, because some people can tolerate things that other people can't. The capacity for resilience has to do with having more, better, good internal objects, which which uh, are right. stronger. So, so we'll, I just we'll, wanted to raise sure. that. Sure, we'll get to the idea yeah. of self, Madhu, as we go along. Yeah. Purushottam, as we think of uh, this in, in the context that you've thought about a lot, um, yeah, well, I'm slightly out of depth on the sort of psychological and, and psychoanalytic side, but I was just making reflections on uh, Mother's point about the instinct. I, I guess, you know, philosophers would put it slightly differently. I mean, thinking of Heidegger, for example, mm -hmm. that we're all thrownness uh, into death. So, so death is something that I think we're all sort of somewhere know that it's inevitable and inescapable, uh, it's that it will come one day. But, but to be able to bring death closer in a time when it's not really there is the challenge. I think Schopenhauer and Heidegger takes some of the some of the things from Schopenhauer himself had probably pinned it down reasonably well. Mm -hmm. When he recognized, much perhaps through the influence of, of Buddhist thinking, that that there is you know an immutable suffering that we are we you know, we, we, we suffer all kinds of um, uh, all, all kinds of pains and sorrows and and life is not a steady stream that that moves along smoothly and so on and that that the individual may be pushed to an area where escaping from suffering might be a, a better option than continuing with that suffering and so Schopenhauer went a very long sort of way in in almost um, 
almost saying, well, that really is the way out. But he, he's, he's not prescribing it. He's, of course, describing. And it's very, very, very interesting But he doesn't necessarily think of it as a cowardly act. But then, but then his judgment on it was that, well, one shouldn't really uh, go that way because it's not morally the only option that one. Mm. But he, he didn't sort of provide any kind of solution of how one would avoid that. He was a pessimist himself in yes. any case. <laughs> he was a depressive. <laughs> a depressive. <laughs> I mean, that's what a pessimist is. Right, right. Um, uh, but you know, his 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 own solace, if you like, was really uh, the, the Upanishads and so forth. And he could he could he could bear through the suffering and so on. But he but he but he was aware very much that I, I think sort of set out the general uh, outline from which I think Freud possibly took off quite quite successfully. So there's, there's a, these are two reflections on the question of whether the whether the uh, whether the, uh, the 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 suicider and the suicider can be one or not, I, I think I agree that we are multi-fractured selves. There, there is really no no one self in us, and that and it's always changing. Yeah, and it's always changing, and when one part can f- inflict harm on the other part. He said, and one part can also overcome the other part. Mm. And, you know, Prof Parfit, who's done a lot, of, did a lot of work, he says, you know, identity is really not as solid a thing as we think it Direct is. Parfit. Mm. Some sort of a continuity is there, but it's, it can also be very dis- discontinuous self. So there's no reason why, why, the, why the sort of fragmentation, to use Madhu's term, uh, in, 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 in another way. Uh, Cannot sort of uh, as it be implode on itself, and in that implosion, one wants to commit suicide. You know the, the legal term, and I've done a lot more work on the legal side than I have on on but on Purushottam, the psychological side. But before we go side. there, if you don't mind, yeah, sure. If yeah, we if we think of uh, this rough continuum, if that's the right way to think about between this between the psychological and the social, or the psychological right. and the cultural, and you've done some work in the religious mm-hmm. contexts where one may take on an act of voluntary death, which sure. is not necessarily psychological, but, but, but social. But because there is, there are other reasons, there are soft or hard acts or environments of coercion, maybe. If, I, I don't know if that's the right way to think about it. So is it likely that... Like Sati, could be, is it? Well, like Sati, like Seppuku. Oh, or like, Salekhana in the like Jain Salekhana, tradition. Where um, the reasons are not primarily psychological, but something right. else. Let's just right. say say it that way. Where, where are you on that? If you want to move into that, I mean, I have I've done a fair bit of work on this, and it's mm. a very interesting one too. Now, um, they will say that this is a, a a religious practice, or that it's it has some spiritual. So, what mandate. exactly is the re- religious practice? Well, well, um, Why would something like this come to be? Because to, uh, we, we used the notion of non-violence a while ago. But that's a very deep... How can he ask, answer the question, why does it come to be? No, but He can tell us more about it. No, sure, yeah. but you know, there's there's something interesting but, about no, it coming I up think, in the context uh, of... We, ca- we could stay at this point hmm. for some time before you move to that other ground. Yes. Sure. Because he has this raised some very, very interesting yeah. points. And I would like to offer some tentative you know, sure. responses both to Madhu and to sure, Purusatana. Sure. You see, when Spinoza says that the, the that suicide and, and the one the killer and the killed are not the same, I don't think he was challenging the notion of fragmented subject. I don't think that was his idea. Sure. He was simply pointing out to the singularity, unique singularity of the act of suicide, which cannot be used as a master narrative to explain the person who committed suicide. Get my point? Yes. So that is it. The other is, you see, when Javananda's protagonist goes out and without any apparent rhyme or reason actually hangs himself it's not that he is beyond any any causal explanation just that the kind of causal calculus we use to explain you know actions agency might not work there it's a different kind of internal evacuation of course there is reason otherwise you'd be considered mad and 
Das is never saying he's a madman. You see, they, these are the sort of things. And I had something to say about Heidegger's, but we can continue and then we will go come ahead, back. Go ahead, go ahead. See, Heidegger's notion is very interesting and, I'm, uh, and I think you, you sort of hit on the right point because what Heidegger was saying here, and we can relate it to this uniqueness which gives suicide its kind of uh, fascination or lure, yeah. as you say, what he's saying that, you know, we all live in the midst of death. Right. Every death, of course, I mean, it's commonplace to see my 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 closest sure. companion's death with whom I shared the toaster, for instance, shared yeah. the plate, toothpaste, everything. Once he or she dies, I, I sort of realize a part of my going down as well which i didn't know and i did and i always want to hide from that death but however much i might want to hide from that death i can only explain that death in the language of my death mm. then the point heidegger is making that every death at one level is radically unique radically same I die like everyone dies, but each death is like. But the face of a dead man is like the face of any dead man. Get my <laughs> point? Which is, again, common eye. So the common eye and the radical so eye are coming together. Oh. In, and that creates that unique phenomenology of death, which can be related to suicide. So, so you're suggesting that this is almost like a transcendental self and uni death is a universal of, Universal, of a kind, but more maybe. than that, death is an aporia because it is bringing together that radical singularity Aha, and the radical mean. commonness at one level mm -hmm. which cannot meet. And therefore, at one point, he says, therefore, the face of a dead man will ever always remain unknown to me because of this illusion. But it's very actually, interesting. Uh, but because, actually yeah. what I find is that uh, I would never think of suicide the way that the two of you talk about it, which is that the lure <laughs> of suicide, for me, this is absolutely amazing. And it's the first time, I mean, I've raised this with you, yeah. that I would not because I, I deal with the realities <laughs> of, of suicide. I'm not dealing with this as uh, just as an intellectual who's or a philosopher. But I just know how how much of a life and death struggle it can be for the individual who often has to cope with... So you're saying with, it cannot merely be an act of fascination? Well, I'm not saying I am uh, very uh, distant. I'm finding it... Uh, I, I find that there is some ironic distance in, uh, or there is some anxiety that may be being... <laughs> hit, being, being dealt with by talking about it as a lure because I don't think that there's anything that's uh, so alluring about it. There's neither... At least I'm, I'm saying from my point of view. I, it's difficult for me to relate to that. Do you understand what I'm I, saying? I, I, I get it. But what? what's the... what's the? I'm, I'm not suggesting you know it, but yes. treat it as a hypothetical question. Yes. What is the mentalization of it? What's the imagery around it? How does one, what, what is the run-up to the final moment? You're actually raised, you use the word, what is the mentalization around it? Yeah. Suicide or any act of violence. Yeah. Whether violence is uh, uh, perpetrated against oneself. Yeah, whether self-inflicted or, or otherwise. Or, or on anyone else is the breakdown of mentalization. Mm -hmm. It's the breakdown of the capacity to symbolize and think. It is when it is impossible to see any way forward or to think or to be resilient mm -hmm. that a person then seeks to, uh, feels that there is no recourse but to end their mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It's a breakdown of the capacity for mentalization. Mm. So that's part of part of it. But again, I don't, because there are suicides and suicides, I would be sure. very fascinated to hear about the ritual no, Which is uh, where I think it's very interesting to go to your area, Purushottam. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a kind of irony when you say, you know, the, the violence that one has in, say, case of murder, homicide, on someone, culpable homicide, and so yeah. forth. These are, these are these are terms that have been used in colonial period as well for sati and so forth. When we come to something like the Jain practice of of say salekhana, fasting to death, very interesting. I mean, these are people who are the topmost protagonists of nonviolence. Yeah. And here there is an attempt 
what would appear to be violence against oneself. And yet, in their view, this is the most enlightening moment. This is the moment when they can attain enlightenment if they can only speed up the whole process. And, uh, it's, it's, so this is speeding up the process of what? Well, well, it's, of it's, a certain kind of self. Right. It is the denial of the bodily self and right. the transcendent nature Tra- of the other self. Right, right. right. So. Or, or, or that you just get there and start again if, if you've got stuck here. There's no point. But in fact, in the case of but, some of so, the people like Tulsi Acharya and so on, this was the body was holding you back from attaining that attaining that state. And if you start fasting, it's in the process of fasting itself, that, you know, the lights emanating from the body and so forth, that the person is getting closer to death. Uh, from our point of view, the person is getting closer so to death. So there is something transcendental on the other side? Well, from, because uh, trans- a lot of these traditions are also... Well, this is a transcendental uh, explanation that's being offered here. Yes, this is a, a way of transcending the body to reach your jiva, the Atman. Because it's trapped so far inside the body and you have an ailing body and so forth, so the person is not able to live fully that part of themselves. So what are the conditions when something like this is permitted? Well, well, um, well it's a sort of a, a terminal state that, that you are going to die in any case or, or that there is well, terminal illness. Well, that's the case illness. for all of us. Hmm? <laughs> We're all in a terminal state. Terminal in a, well, in, in, what you in a, in a immediately or impending and so and so forth. I, I, I think I don't think we, we would say that we are in that sense. Um, <laughs> uh, and no doctor would pronounce that we are terminal. Um, so you know, if there is a cancer and so forth, I had a spouse who had terminal kidding. illness, so I, I understood that very well. Even though I felt that I was dying in that process through empathy. Mm. Um, or, 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 or that, uh, or that they refuse surgery and so on, which is a religious, uh, a, a, again, a, a religious prohibition against having excessive surgeries and medical interventions and so and so forth. And the acharya, the, the top acharya, will judge that yes, this person is ready to move on. So they actually talk about moving through the stages. So our, our, our soul is is connected with. With 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 a with a whole cosmic process and so forth, we are not just the individual self that's here. For the enlightened one, they actually do become much more cosmic. So there is so there is so an it underlying is a movement, if it is as it were. So there but, is an underlying promise. It's not just an act of relief. No, it's not an act of it's it. It can be an act of relief in some cases as well. So there's a case in the case of a nun, for example. So you know, women don't attain enlightenment and so on. So in the case of the nun. You know, she had she had she had pretty advanced form of illness and so on, and she refused to go to the United States to have a surgical intervention, which is the only only way out. So the acharya said, "Well, you know, I think you're on the sixth state and so forth. If you did, if you did take salekhana, you will come back as a man and make progress. So it's progress towards enlightenment. It may not be immediate enlightenment. Not like, say, the Buddha who was supposed to have taken pork to sort of really get rid of his body because he was he was enlightened the second time again. He was so enlightened. In this case here... So uh, in these traditions, women are not believed to be enlightened? No. No, no. But girls, yeah. girls do undertake salekhana. They, this is why they undertake salekhana. You know, so there's balmarana too. So if, right. if if there is a condition where the child is, is it's is, via the process of rebirth. That's right. So, so so and that could be true for for a man as well. Sure. But the, but the but but the question, the philosophical question is, is this a form of violence on themselves? I had I had a whole lot of I had a seminar once organized and I said, you know, in sort of bioethical terms, this is this is suicide and so forth. And they all sort of stood up and jumped and said, No way, this is suicide. This is the most enlightened kind of practice. This is a religious practice. Our our our, our form of uh, a religious practice of enlightenment is superior to anyone. Else, no one has thought about this, this, this kind of approach. And Purushottam, so somewhat empirically, when you know uh, Manasda brought up the question of agency, right? What about the person? What about the person? Is no, the there, person is that an act of volition? There? Yeah, yeah, totally. The person is the person. The person decides. And in, if there, there, you can go into YouTube and see there are there are cases where, you know, a very senior monk. What about Balmarana? I mean, no, Balmarana is is involuntary, where where the parents consent. And it is decided for because the, they they're, they're supposed not to be able to make a, a consensual uh, consensual uh, a, sure. agreement to that. So that's a slightly sure. different case. It's no it's no different to what what would be called involuntary euthanasia in in say the Western clinical context. 
where you know you do dispense. I mean, in in this case, there is there is a sort of a dispensing of a lethal uh, uh, injection as well. But it's, in it, the form of a mantra that's given or the vow. Yeah, it's an act but, of mercy. Well, it's an act of it's an act of mercy. But but the but but there is a it. it I mean, when I did the work, I call this Morse voluntaries. It is actually a voluntary act that they have undertaken. Mm-hmm. Some people have argued, and this is the case that's come up in the Rajasthan High Court recently, where a judgment was made. A a a a person from the public went up and said, "This is actually not a religious practice at all." So they should not be able to get away under Article Twenty Five, which allows people the freedom of conscience and freedom to practice, profess, and propagate their religion and so forth. Not that they have actually even appealed to the Constitution, but yeah. in case uh, one of their own um, kind, uh, a Justice Tukol, had said, you know, under Article 25, we will be protected if this ever no, that's so interesting. went to court. But it never did go to court. That's so interesting. And so, um, so just to finish this uh, story, um, in the Rajasthan High Court, the men argue that this is not a religious practice. This is actually a form of suicide, and so mm. forth, mm. Uh, and and that suicide is um, prohibited in the penal code until recently. Uh, under until recently, <laughs> Section three hundred nine. But I don't know what the judges were thinking. They actually took their took their own board and said that this is this this is actually a prohibited act. Under what act? I have no idea. But I think they said that this is culpable homicide, which is 306. So it wasn't 309, which is attempted suicide. So these people are attempting, uh, 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 not only attempting suicide, but are actually killing. <laughs> uh, you also what agency? The agency might actually be the community itself. Where are you on this? How uh, does one think of it culturally, so socially? Very yeah. interesting things. First, I would like to say, and I have thought about it, and I would like to share these thoughts with all three of you, is that I have often wondered that even in a liberal regime where I have right for every little thing, right to watch the television. The question still remains, who does why, life belong to? Why is suicide so long? Why was suicide so long considered a murder? Why was it? And my understanding is, and here... I'm close to what Purushottam was saying, that in the modern regime, what has happened, suicide has become murder because of a combination, what I would call the theological remnant from that the you were saying, mm. from the Roman non, particularly Roman, from St. Augustine, where right. life is precious, it has been gifted by God, you cannot, it's not yours in that sense. Hence like abortion. Absolutely. Mm. And, and along with it, the modern biopolitical agenda, which says by looking after you, by going in deep inside your body, your nutrition, everything, so the state I has actually captured you. the whole of you. So the answer to whose property is life is not just you. I mean, uh, it's not just you, and it is a combination of something that is very advanced, that is biopolitics, with something that we have gone got from the earlier era, mm. that life is actually precious, it's an inalienable right, and you have no measure, uh, you have no hope. So Manasda, in a way what you're saying is that suicide is sin only if life is precious. Suicide suicide is a a crime Crime when when you believe in inalienable rights of just being alive. alive. But the other interesting point which actually brings Madhu and Purushottam, you know, uh, like uh, in negotiation that is you see, what Purushottam started saying that, you know, that gradual doing away with life, you know, is actually a moment of enlightenment. Now, you see, when philosophers talk about that suicide as the great moment of the unthought, they actually do not, they are not saying that, you know, such and such, you know, tragedies or such and such violence let this or that person commit suicide. Not that you know, they are not denying that. They are saying that specific moment has a some kind of uh, that, you know, 
inexplicability about it when you are actually triggering the gun. That particular moment, call it sacred, call it whatever, sacred in the sense, not close to religious, but opposite to religious, like the kupanch, that that is separate in that sense, radically separate. Now, what is happening, I would gather, is that that in suicide now, that great moment of unthought has now been completely medicalized. It has now fallen within the cross-section of various discourses, be it the criminological discourse, you know, psychology will borrow from criminological discourse, you know, like... uh, Diagnostics will borrow from medical discourse and there will be other sorts of discourses. Now, suicide has become this crisscross of various discourses which will challenge that, you know, great unthought of, you know, of that particular moment. I just wish to, I used it in a very technical sense, not in terms of a narrative to do with the state and uh, to do with other things. When I use the word when do people explosively act out? Okay, when do people engage in acts of violence? It's when uh, they don't have the capacity to contain uh, or to symbolize what's inside. The capacity to be able to think allows you to have agency in a different way. You, the people... There are times when anxiety or rage or frustration becomes so overwhelming, we use the word unmetabolized. Mm. And when we use the word... You're not able un- to process You're it. not able to process it. Therefore, th- what is thought? What is the process of mentalization? What allows human beings so much capacity is that we are able to think, we are able to frustrate... Deal with our feelings. We're able to... Uh, uh, tolerate frustration. There are a whole bunch of ego capacities. We can delay gratification. We can do a whole bunch of things. Now, repeatedly, people have found in the case of, see, that there's a certain reason why there's a certain age group. Mm. I've all, I I don't know the research. All I know is that men do this more more than why women do it. My What's surmise. It's oh. my. It's an it's intuitive guess. surmise. Sure. See, all of us, because this is what psychoanalysis does, the matrix of development takes place in an early relationship with a female, okay? All of us, our early identifications are with our mother, okay? Now what happens is, say that this doesn't go well, not for anyone's fault, and the inner self is very shaky, Okay, for a man, when you have a sense of inner inadequacy, you have a sense of yourself as being like a woman. There's a great sense because of, of the vulnerability. There, there's a sense. Look, shame is the precursor, not guilt, because that comes at a much late, later developmental stage. Mm. Those who have to who act out, those who engage in rape, those who engage. This is to humiliate others because of an inner sense of shame and humiliation. Okay? So I'll I, I just finish. So when, you, when, when these feelings suffuse you and you feel womanish and weak, in the case of a man, you feel womanish. And this is so rejected uh, in every kind of way. There is an attempt to hurt oneself because it's unbearable. Whereas for a woman, there isn't, there isn't that. Uh, they say that there is a difference in the cultures of India and China, but there is a... I did the research coming before the show, but it's still men sure. who are much higher than women, but in China and India. But these are uh, cultures of shame and honor where women bear the repository of shame in the culture, you know, their, their, their bodies. and So that's another discussion. And the, 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 the angle between men and women kind of holds for both adolescents as well as the older ones? See, adolescents in any case are another category completely. But if you look at uh, just the fact that young men, it's really young men, right? Uh, more young men commit suicide, I think it's because men are not able to tolerate feeling inadequate. Mm. Number one, straight. Mm. I think that it's not so terrible for a woman (laughs) to accept that there's something wrong and they may require help. Men are socialized to have a stiff upper lip and to grin and bear it and not to be able to 
if there is a known internal problem, they don't know how to cope. So I think they have less recourse. That's my intuitive. Hmm. The, 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 this is a very individualist uh, uh, approach to this. There are, of course, cases where there have been mass suicides as well, like Johar and so of forth. So, right. and, and, and again, there are some traditions which say that, you know, in, in the times of calamities, natural disasters and so forth, and there's no way out or, 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 or the women are going to be... But those are rational acts. Hmm? They're logical acts. Now, the logic may be somewhat perverse, but they're yeah, acts of reasoning. Sure. I mean, there can be religious sanction for this as well. So, you know, to save the women from being raped and so forth, there was a case where they there was one of the Johar acts. They they actually did all of them commit suicide. And there are there are many sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 the kamikaze, the, the Japanese pilots and so forth, en yeah. masse, they were committing, committing suicide towards the end when they were about to lose. Yeah. Know, they just went... Into the so so there there are but again there are, those are cultures of honor, honor yes. there are cultures of, there are cultures of honor but co- coming back to the other question of 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 who has the right to life now there was a very interesting case here in in the in the in the Bombay High Court then Bombay High Court um, where a man had doused himself of kerosene and so forth because you know he had some mental issue and so on he had an accident and he wanted to get a license for his wife to run a vegetable stall and he was refused. He went to the municipal office, they wouldn't let him in. So he was trying to commit suicide. And he was arrested, charged under section three oh nine, attempted <laughs> suicide. But the court's very interesting. And I went to one of these judges and I thought, you know, where did you get this from? And he said, Well, you know, we just all sat and talked about this that if under Article nineteen to twenty one, which says that you have a right Nobody uh, that you have a right. Basically, you have a right to life. That your your life would not be interfered with, uh, other than due process of law and so forth. Apart from freedom of speech and so and so forth. So they said, and, and they, there was very interesting logic that if you have a right to life, then it follows if you if your livelihood is denied, then you have a right to die as well. Amazing, amazing, amazing yeah. derivation. Of course, they said if if there is a negative law, then from that a positive. Right also follows. Yeah. So in this case, from a positive, a negative can also follow. And they 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 acquitted this person, and so it was overturned in the Andhra Pradesh High Court. Then we did the Supreme Court that upheld, and then the Supreme Court again in 1994 said, "Look, you just got to get rid of rid of this uh, uh, 309 because it's based in common law. So what's based the what's on the cardinal law and so forth? What's the fundamental question here? The fundamental question is whether the individual under duress and so forth has a right to die. And from that, you can go on to sort of euthanasia. No, from that, you can go the to mercy killing and so on. Is whose property is life? Yes, exactly here. I mean, if right. I could take on from here. You see, this right to life or this certain rights that... That are, follows from an axiom. That, that are inalienable to you because you are a living human being. That itself went through a radical change in West where it happened. Mm. Like initially in the early enlightened period, 17th, 18th century, it was that you are all gifted with those good things. Yeah. All that you have to do is to realize that. Mm. But from 19th century onwards, when Europe started expanding outside and all different sociological, ethnographic data came from other parts of the world, and people saw that peop- there are many ways of being natural. Okay, <laughs> So then, Europe projected a different understanding of this right to life, or for that matter, life itself. Life Life became a project. Life became prescriptive. You know, you ought to follow these, these, these things to have these rights going on in you. To have nature itself became a part of a project. Yeah. Okay? So th- that's the whole thing going on uh, uh, here. And that is something very interesting. The one question <laughs> I want to ask you, Manasta, is... Is this distinction between private and public yeah. acts of suicide? We've touched upon it a little bit. Yeah. You see, uh, uh, one is, I'll come to the public act of one suicide. One is to just shut the door and hang oneself by I the fan. I think the greatest, biggest or just public go somewhere and die. Yeah, exactly. Or just you run away the, and die. Um, one is, there is a private in a very different sense as well, which will come back to what Purushottam was saying. That see, I mean, here is the philosophical you know, point which maybe clinical practice doesn't always, uh, you know, run out, you know, or whatever. It is that moment 
when you actually take your life, you know, I might be a battered wife and, you know, that moment they posit that singularity because they say that moment does, does indicate to a different kind of outside which is not posited by interiorization itself for its own existence. It is outside of outside. In the sense, it is outside of this whole signifying mechanism itself. And in, in that way, you know, goes very close to religious metaphysics that you are hinting at. Now, the public case of suicide is, of course, suicide bombing. No, I think the question, uh, Anastha, is... In many of these situations, it's essentially an act of running away. Or, you know, one can give it a more honorific label. But the other option could be to just run away, to leave what you have and just, just go somewhere else, get lost. You know, just that, just go to a, another that's, place. That's the whole thing. You know, this... There it, is a way of... You see your... Running you, away without dying. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> who is the biggest example in this part of the world other than Gautam Buddha? Mm. He ran away in the sense he he also had a very blissful familial life. He also had material prosperity. But again, you know, what prompted someone else to commit suicide, you know, because of inner vacuity, he went out to look for other sorts of things to find cure for, you know, illness to find cure for aging or well, whatever yeah. different kind of Where wisdom. are you on this mother why not just run away why not just flee uh, can, can I just uh, just a comment before sure, that please. see look when you're raising this public and private issue and when you're raising some of these other things I would say that say in today's world what should be the attitude this attitude of state and society towards suicide now, if a person is hell-bent to commit suicide, okay, there's very little you can actually do about it. But on the other hand, if there are if if we look if we have a clinical picture about what suicide is, okay, and if it is possible to help a person to grow more resilient, to be more resilient, then you need to have outreach and you need to have programs. So I'm saying I'm being very prosaic here sure. uh, and not very deeply philosophical, but one's attitude to the right to life and the ability to help people, there is a stigma attached to mental health issues. Yeah. There is a stigma attached to suicide. I think we need to also be a bit progressive in our looking at this. But to go back to your question. My question after, is why not just run away? The thing just, is, just run away. But, if so, but, if I live in Bombay, I just just then go you're somewhere not else. Understanding the just mindset, start a new life. the mindset. That's the clinical situation. The mindset of a person mm. who want, who 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 is committing suicide is there is no a way to run. You are stuck in irradicably inside a self which is leak reached its utter, utter limit, there is nowhere else to go. But there's a way of fleeing the circumstances. It's not the circumstances because the circumstances are within. Again and you again. You still carry your internal objects wherever it's you go. Not, it's it's not that. Why, why does someone commit suicide? Why would anyone commit suicide? Because internally, it's not... Ex because you're looking at... Of course, it's something about those external circumstances sure. as they interact with this person. Sure. But it is this individual person's reaction yeah. to those circumstances that make those circumstances impossible. Yeah. Now, all that we can do clinically is to help that person develop a stronger sense of self so that those circumstances, because circumstances are difficult, loss and pain and sarvang dukkham is a part of life for everyone. <laughs> we all have loss, we all have difficulties, we all have anxieties, we never get our own way. How long we all does have it to take, compromise. Madhu? So Madhu, in the most dire of situations and circumstances, how long does it take? Is it like childhood all over again? Is it another... Ten Meaning years. Take for whom? How long does it take to get this sense of self back? And I understand it's very, very contextual. What they have again, I'm telling you what the research shows that in very and again it depends upon the mindset of the person who sure. is doing this because a person can be very far gone and can be quite uh, very, very fragile. Okay, but if a person, uh, what they say in very dire cases. 
that they have found that uh, inpatient treatment, mm. uh, say for a certain amount of time, where a person can openly talk uh, about things that have, they're not able to talk, so that the capacity for mentalization and symbolic functioning can be restored right. in an empathic, non-judgmental atmosphere, yeah. where there is also uh, uh, possibly other people who have engaged in such acts, so that uh, as well as trained people, it can be a great help. Yeah. But one also knows of people who have acted, you know, take someone like William Styron, he's written on depression, he's... He committed suicide after trying many, many times. Mm. So, and, in, and there was a recent case in, uh, in 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 one of the Scandinavian countries we were talking earlier about, where a, a, a guy who was alcoholic and couldn't tried every way to get out of that, and he couldn't. And and uh, the state allowed him to take his life, or at least some kind of an assisted suicide. Now, sort of assisted suicide, but you know, I mean, take the case of of people who are being you know stuck in. Um, uh, ventilizers and 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 you know these advances in biotechnologies that have been go going on and people are living their vegetated lives and so forth. There were a case here of a person yeah. in Bombay um, that mm. there was just no no dignified living here at all. Uh, you know, there's no decency. Does that person have a right to ask for the for the ventilator to be turned off? I mean, is, is of, which would which would mean the person is asking basically to commit suicide if they could, or at least attempted suicide. These are the kinds of discussions that are now coming up in the forefront of medical technology. But anyway, everywhere medical in ethics. the West, before you go in for even minor surgery, this question is asked, and you're asked to do a living will. Oh, I mean, right. I know this for the last fifteen, twenty years because I was in the West. So, meaning that these are not you, you before you go into surgery, even minor sure. surgery, yeah, with any kind of right, anesthesia, you're yeah. asked this uh, question. But who is that fellow who died recently who did so much work on people who are coma patients? <laughs> the very famous psychiatrist who died very recently. He worked with coma pe people who had been in coma for many years. Right. And then they came out. So I think it's there very times. Uh, mm. it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult to pronounce on this, but also the extension of life, especially when you're giving, like in the uh, in the United States, they have found that ninety percent of all healthcare costs go in the last ten days of life. Sure. Right. I mean, there's That's so many fine. other sure. social are, questions. Are, which is the point that Manas Dhan was kind of alluding to. What's the future? Why don't we spend the last five minutes thinking about the future? What's the future of suicide? Will people be committing suicide after thousand years? Five hundred years? <laughs> You know, you asked me this question when we were talking about the evolution of the human race and artificial <laughs> intelligence and cloning of people. I don't know if there's going to be human life as we know it in the next 20 years. So I find it very difficult to answer so your question. So will cyborgs be committing suicide anyway? Not suggesting No, cyborgs will not be committing suicide. If you go with thinkers like, uh, what's his name, Stephen Hawking and Bill Gates, they say be warned of uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> and if you've seen that film Ex Machina... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there'll be human life as we know it. Might be zombies have, not. They will have murdered us all. No suicides. Purushottam, what's the future? No, I, I really don't know how to, how to answer that. I mean, there are people in sort of post-humanist world who'd, who'd, who'd like to, you know, change the whole human constitution. So, but I don't think biologically, is, 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 is the genetically, on... it's, going to be, it's going to be possible. I, I think something like suicide will remain a, a challenge uh, for, for the reasons that Madhu has been talking about because of you know, internal collapse and so on, failure to mentalize and so forth. But there is also going to be greater demand for suicide as well. You know, not only the farmers uh, uh, on the hardship, but also I think in the, with, the, with what I was saying earlier with the advance of medical technology and so forth, people are going to be kept alive much longer than they would. And then the question of resources and so forth. I mean, China and India to some extent as well, you know, people are living longer and yet there's a burden on the state. So if you're a utilitarian like Peter Singer, and so we say, well, we should, we should, we should have, you know, uniform laws. It's very, about very, very liberal off. laws about euthanasia and so on. Um, and, you know, I mean, you look at the thinking that's going on in Scandinavian countries and why are they so liberal with the euthanasia laws? In India, we've only just scraped Section 309, you know, attempted suicide. And it's been so, so, so long in the process. So, okay, in terms of the future and so forth, I think the challenges are going to be even bigger than, than, than we have at the Can present time. Can I have 30, time. 10 seconds? Yes. I think human beings, the fact that we com 
can commit suicide. I don't think any other creature <laughs> nature. I think it's a sign of being human. I, I believe I think dogs do. They go, they go off and, and cats do when they're at, at an age, they know at a, at a time and they I know that they cannot that to survive. Be hu- it's, it's also part to be, it means that we're vulnerable, sentient beings and that we have the capacity if things get too much to take care of things. And and it is it's, it's an, an act, act of, of agency, agency yeah. and it's and and it is a it's 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 a sign that there is something wrong. So I think as long as there's humanity, there will be suicide, uh, because humans are not perfect. It's a sign of imperfection, and it's a sign of vulnerability, and we will always have all. Uh, so I I'll just make this little point and stop. But 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 do only imperfect people commit suicide? That's no, not what you're a, suggesting, it's, right? No, but it's an act. It's it's when uh, anxi- inner anxieties get overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yes, it is. I think you know there are suicides and suicides, but sure. it's sure. existentialist challenges. Manasda. Uh, well, so long we were talking about you know private individuals committing suicides for their own private reasons, but. Talking, thinking of the future of suicide, I think more and more gaze will fall on suicide as a for public reasons, suicide as a political weapon, mm. and I mean suicide bombing here. And one of the things that's going to happen more is, you know, see, there's a whole change in scenario that is happening, and that leads us to the very metaphysics of suicide, the body-soul relation. To go back to the religious thing, is changing. If in the pre-modern times, body was a prison of the soul, then in modern panoptic times, soul became the prison for the body. I mean, this whole idea <laughs> of soul as perversion, as drives, desires. What is happening in our today's surveillance society that the target is life itself, life stripped to its barest and what what is do you mean by that life stripped to its barest in the sense we will have more and more sections from whom all kinds of rights including economic rights are going away in a neoliberal regime and they might as well form an army of you know ready to perform suicide for political reason but in the process what is going That'll to come back banal. yeah to to come exactly banal and therefore to come back to that essential question is that perhaps one way of looking at suicide we have to give up that is through the language of authenticity mm. that's the language of you know act you know f- martyr freedom you know mm. that itself should now become what we should analyze. I mean, what is the problem? You know, mm. that language is no more operating. I mean, this is what can be made absolutely sure when we talk about this kind of political manifestations of suicide. So in an imperfect world, suicide will always be there? Absolutely, and suicide should be there. Suicide should be there. Absolutely. Perhaps even in a perfect world as well, if you take yeah. the sort of religious, metaphysical perfect perfect. position. The day I know that there there is no way of committing suicide, I'll be the first person to commit suicide, <laughs> because I want I want for my mental health. I want to at least imagine, even if illu- as an illusion, that one you want day to have the if I of turning yourself yeah, off. I can go away. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, let us say that being human uh, is a mystery, and it is a way to cock a snook. <laughs> It is. A, it is. It, it's an act of self-assertion. That it's. It's exactly how we wake up from a nightmare. So it, it's an act of. Yeah. Sure. Come and lie on my couch. You won't have so many nightmares <laughs> because you'll own your own rage and violence. <laughs> it won't come at you from somewhere else. <laughs> Thankfully, there are no nightmares. That's a great note to end this on. Thanks to all of you for making it, and we look forward to having you soon again. This was Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very Take care. Very Thank you. Much.